All right, didn't mean everybody hear my snuffle. Well, I'd like to welcome you if you're joining us via our live stream. This is just one part of our service here at City Temple. If you'd like to join us for the whole service via Zoom, drop us an email at info at city-temple.com. Um, or if you want to be on our mailing list, you could do the, the same thing. Uh, or you can come and join us here in person at City Temple. If you have your Bible with you, let's turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read verse 7 down to verse 13. Revelation 3, 7 to 13. Pardon me. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word, for the Bible. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father, today you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us as a church, as City Temple, and Lord, help me to accurately relay what you are saying to us through your word and through your prophetic word this day to the glory and honor of Jesus. Not to us, Lord, but to your name be the glory and honor. We praise you, and Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. I ask you to come and fill me afresh and anew. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. A number of years ago, I was going to visit somebody who was uh, part of City Temple at the time who lived over in South End. And Karen and I drove over to have a meal with him in the evening. And we arrived there, and I thought I would be cute. And uh, uh, there's a great verse in Revelation chapter 3 in the next section down, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. And so I thought, well, rather than, you know, knock on the door, I'm going to send a text message, uh, Revelation 3.20. And so I sent the text message. 
But instead of writing Revelation 3.20, for some reason, I wrote Revelation 3.17, which says, For you say I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Not necessarily the best way to start uh, a personal dinner, uh, but uh, uh, we had a good laugh about it and uh, were able to overcome it. Because that, uh, you know, that, that church in Laodicea, that's a difficult church in the book of Revelation, you know. You never want to say, hear the Lord say, you know, because you are lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, you know. And that's pretty harsh words. And so you can imagine that I was a little bit nervous a few years after this, back in 2018, when I'm praying, and I felt the Lord say to me, he said, Rod, I want you to read uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, because I'm going to show you which church you are. Uh, there's seven churches there, and each church is different. And each church, the Lord is speaking to the church. And there's a variety of ways to interpret that, and I'm not going to go on into all the interpretations. But I felt like the Lord wanted to show me, you know, are we Ephesus? I like Ephesus in some respects. I mean, I don't like to think I've lost my first love, but, uh, uh, but I certainly didn't want to get down to the end of Revelation chapter 3 to the church in Laodicea. So I nervously opened my Bible and I started to read. Again, this is what church city temple is. And, uh, and so I, I read Ephesus. No, that's not it. You know, I read Smyrna. No, that's not it. Read Pergamon. No, that's not it. Uh, it kept reading down. Got down to Revelation chapter 3. I'm starting to get nervous now. Uh, so we get to Sardis. Okay, no, that's not it. Oh, well, I, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep going. You know, because now you're down. At first, there's, you know, like a one in seven chance that you'll, you'll be Laodicea. Now there's like a one in two, a 50-50 chance that we're going to end up as Laodicea. And I didn't want, you know, to be spewed out of the Lord's mouth. Oh, excuse me. So I started reading Philadelphia. And much to my relief, the Lord said, this is the one. This is the one. That's since been confirmed. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we had the prophetic word a couple of weeks ago. It's been confirmed. And so the Lord spoke this to me, this on the 29th of August, uh, 2018, uh, to proclaim the church of Philadelphia over City Temple. And this is what he said. Son, I want you to declare this truth, that is that City Temple is Philadelphia. I want you to declare this truth, and I will make it true, in the declaration of it. I will use your declaration to break through the walls that have held you back and to break the piggy bank of resources for City Temple. Your declaration will announce this truth to the principalities and powers in the spiritual realms of London, even the city. And so I first proclaimed the message uh, that following Sunday at City Temple, the first Sunday in September 2018, and I felt that the Lord wanted me to uh, speak this again over City Temple as we go into 2022. 
And uh, Mignon's word a couple weeks ago, really, she heard the same thing, independent of all of this. So Mignon wasn't a part of all these things, and yet she had the similar kind of word. And uh, so we're going to look at what the Lord is saying to us uh, through the Church of Philadelphia. And there's four larger points, uh, and in terms of the prophetic word, there's five prophetic words, uh, or clusters of prophetic words, that the Lord has for us. And so we're going to walk through this a little bit, uh, and hopefully the Lord will be speaking to you personally, as well as speaking over us as a congregation. But I believe that this is for City Temple, us together as a church. Now you know a church is not the building, uh, it is the people, and it's the people connected with us. So those of you who are at Zoom right now at home, you're part of this, part of this reality. The first thing we see here in the letter to the church in Philadelphia, or the letter to the church at City Temple, is that we need to relish God's Son, Jesus Christ. We need to be relishing God's Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is speaking here, and he announces himself. He says, I am the Holy One. This means that he is the one who is set apart. It's not about purity so much as being set apart, being special, being unstained. He, it's about his being. In his very essence, he is holy. He is set apart. He is the living Lord. Holiness for God is like an energy. And everything that God's holiness touches becomes holy in and of itself. And everyone that Jesus touches becomes holy as well. And so we announce the holiness of Jesus. And we celebrate the holiness of Jesus. And Jesus is also the true one. And here at City Temple, we proclaim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He is the one who is true, but being true means he's not concealed. It's not some mystery that you have to figure out about to see who Jesus is. One of the things I was really struck about, I uh, read an article where I think it was John Cleese, but it's one of the, the Pythons who were talking about the, their film Life of Brian and how all of that came to be. And when that came out in the late 70s, a lot of people thought it was an attack on Christianity. And I said, even at that time, no, you're wrong. It's an attack on stupid religion. That's what it's an attack on, and it was. And it was interesting. He said that initially they set out to make it an attack on Jesus, to parody Jesus. And so they all wrote, read the Gospels. And he said when they came back together, they realized that it was impossible to make a parody of Jesus because he was so true and he was so holy. I don't remember exactly the words that they he used. But it was evident, and it's evident. Jesus is true. He's evident who he is, and he's the risen Lord, the King of kings, the Savior, the one who loves us. And we must relish that. And we relish Jesus as the sovereign one. It says here, he is the one who has the key of David that opens what no one can shut and shuts what no one can open. Now, keys are indicators of authority and power. So Jesus is the one who has all authority and power. 
And Jesus has all authority and power either to open a door or close a door. And that's true for us as a church and as well as it's true for you in your own life. Jesus is the one who is sovereign. He has that authority. And so if we are to live into the fullness of Jesus' word over us, we need to relish who Jesus is as the Son of God. Relishing Jesus as the Son of God. And the next thing we encounter here in this letter is actually uh, John re Jesus revealing God's prophetic word to City Temple through Philadelphia. Now understand, as I go through this text, this is not just a formal exegesis. This is more a prophetic word, a prophetic application of the text and what the Lord is saying. And I think the Lord has five main words to say to us in this text. The first one is there, I know your works. Jesus is saying to you personally and to us as a church, I know your works. I know your works. Many of you know I've been part of HarvestNet International. Uh, for years I was on their board. You also know that I am now the chairman of Freedom in Christ Ministries International, uh, their international board and on the UK board uh, of those ministries. Uh, I've been on with Freedom in Christ for many, many years now, uh, HarvestNet since 2007. And over that time, there's been a lot of things that Karen and I have given into those ministries. Uh, for example, HarvestNet used to be called HarvestNet Incorporated. And it was I that first suggested that it be called HarvestNet International, and they changed the name. And I could go down a half a dozen or a dozen things uh, in both of those ministries that Karen and I have initiated. And you know what? Almost nobody remembers any of them. And in fact, there have been several times, say I've been in a meeting, say around, say, for example, HarvestNet, I've been in a meeting where leaders in the network attribute something that I did to someone else. And it's frustrating, isn't it? And I'm tempted, I'm tempted often to say, hey, that was me, that was me, that was me. But I don't. Just like I'm tempted sometimes to try to get a platform, develop a brand, you know, all these kinds of things, but I don't. Why? Because Jesus knows my works. Who needs to know what you've done? Do you need the world to know that you help somebody out? Only if you want to feed your ego. Do you need the world to acknowledge who you are? Only if you want to feed your ego. Only if you want to build yourself up in pride. Jesus is saying to us as a church, City Temple, I know your works. People of City Temple, I know your works. Others may not see what we're doing. Others may not see the ministry we do. I remember in my last church, we engaged in a lot of strategic level spiritual warfare in our community. And it was an intense time. And we had five years of incredible intensity and a lot of combat. And you know, almost every uh, church in our community grew 
In fact, one church became the fastest growing church of its denomination. And a lot of that was connected with what we were doing. You know, the one church that really didn't grow is that was our church. But it didn't matter because we knew that others were growing and we knew that we were a part of it. And Jesus knew. Jesus knew. And that's what's important. I remember a number of years ago, we had a guy come, uh, this uh, mid-2000s, and afterwards, uh, he was a visitor, a guest, and he came up to me and said, what kind of church are you? And I tried to explain a few things. I didn't really understand the question. And he said, no, 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 that's not what I mean. What kind of church are you? And I said, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. He said, well, I'm a journalist for a Christian publication in uh, the Netherlands, and I've traveled over the world and all over the United States, and I've never been in another church quite like this one. And I want to know who you're connected with. And I said, well, we're not really connected with anybody. You know, we, we do what the Lord tells us to do and that kind of thing. You know, he was somebody who recognized what was going on, but we don't need a lot of people to recognize it. We just need Jesus to recognize it. We don't need people generally to know our works. We just need Jesus to know our works. We don't pursue branding. We don't pursue platforms. We don't pursue fame. We're not trying to start our own TV channel, our own radio station. We're not out to do those things, although there's nothing wrong with those things. But we need to take comfort in the fact that Jesus says, I know your works, City Temple. And that's what he says. Word number two, a quote from the text. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Jesus is opening a door and he has set before us an open door that nobody can't shut. Now, why is that important? Because you think about going toward a lift. You know, have you ever walked into a building and you know the building has slow lifts? You know, and so you, t you see the lift that's open and you make a mad dash to try to get there. And just before you get to the lift, it closes. You go, ah, no. And, and then you have to wait around. You know, you know that feeling, right? And so often in our lives, we think that God's like that. You know, that there's an open door of opportunity but if we don't run hard enough, we don't work hard enough, we don't move fast enough, we're not going to get through it. And the Lord Jesus is saying to us at City Temple, he says, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. Jesus, it's like Jesus is in the lift and he's holding the door open button and nobody can take his finger off of it until we get into it. Now certainly sometimes... It's taken us a long time to get into and go through the open door, but nobody can close the door. It's God's door. It's Jesus' door that he's opened to City Temple, and only City Temple can go through this door. And it's a door for City Temple that Jesus has opened. He says to us, I know that you have but little power. He knows. You know, he knows that we're a small church. 
in terms of numbers. He knows that we don't have a lot of money. He knows that we don't have a TV station. He knows that you're stuck with me as a pastor. He knows these things. He knows you have little power. And we're not seeing miracles every single day like we'd like to see, that maybe one day we will see. He knows these things. But you know what he says? But you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So Jesus has put before us as a church opportunities that no one can take away from us. And we have a guaranteed access, that's what it is, a guaranteed access to God's kingdom advancement into the future and God's salvation coming to this earth. We have a guaranteed access to this as a church, something that Jesus has tailored for us, a future in the Lord that no one can prevent long as we keep going toward the door to go through it. We have a little power. We don't have a lot of spiritual power. We don't have a lot of numbers, a lot of resources. But that doesn't matter because Jesus is the one acting on our behalf. Jesus is working for us. And despite the fact that we have little power, let me tell you, as a church, we have kept his word. We've been doing what he's told us to do. You know, sometimes I wonder, because sometimes we do, we had to do things that a lot of other churches and people just aren't doing. And I don't always understand it. I'll be honest. I don't always understand it, but I am determined always to obey. And we've had so many prophetic words over the years affirming our obedience And I've had that over my life as well. And I just hold on to that. I want to obey Jesus. I want to obey Jesus because I don't understand the big picture, but Jesus does, and I know he's put a door before us and before me that nobody can shut. And we've not denied the name of Jesus. You know, there are others around us, other churches now that are softening the gospel. They're denying the name of Jesus. They're saying, well, there's many ways to get to God. That following Jesus isn't all that important. But we're not going to be one of those churches. We're not going to be one of those churches. For us, Jesus Christ will always be the way, the truth, and the life. And we will proclaim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, crucified and resurrected. I'll proclaim that to my dying breath. And we'll proclaim that till we close the doors. By God's grace. Word number three. Jesus says to the church, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Apologies for that. You know, there are churches around us, and uh, I could go into a lot of depth here, I'm not. There are churches around us that are the equivalent of a synagogue of Satan. There are churches that are the equivalent of synagogues of Satan that have are filled with people who claim to be Christians, 
but really have no life in Jesus Christ. I've seen so many churches that are nothing more than clubs, that are nothing more than community centers. I've seen churches, I remember an elder who, from another church in our denomination, who upbraided me for suggesting that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Now, there's churches around us like that today. And there are many people who claim to be Christians, but are not Christians. And we're going to see that exposed more and more in the future. But let me tell you this. We don't need to attack these churches. We don't need to identify these churches. We don't need to defend ourselves against these churches. We don't need to label these churches. You know, there are ministries out there and some very prominent ministries that love to label other churches as heretical, as fallen away, as in error, as not a true church. And we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that because Jesus knows what those, who those churches are. And Jesus says, I will make those, not you will make those. Jesus never commands us to attack those who claim to be brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, hey, if anybody is not against me, they're for me. And so we're not going to do that, and we've made that, we've made that commitment because we have a promise over us that Jesus will cause these Christians and these churches to honor City Temple. It's going to happen. And these churches and these Christians are going to seek the favor of City Temple, seek our favor as a people, and learn that God has loved us and has chosen us. And we live with that promise. So we don't need to attack them. We don't need to pay attention to them. We don't need to stress about them. We don't need to worry about them. We don't need to sweat about the damage they could do to the kingdom, because they can do some damage. But that's not our job. Jesus is the Lord of the church. We're called simply to do what Jesus has told us to do. Let me tell you, over the years, I have been in so many conflicts and so many difficult situations that I can't possibly recount them all to you. But I can say, in every single one of them, after we went through and after we survived, which we have, every single one of them, after we went through, after we survived, people have come back to us that were on the other side of that conflict. And by the way, I'm talking about conflicts with Christians. I always said, you know, Christians have hurt me a lot more deeply than people in the world could ever hurt me. But I still forgive, and we still move on, and I'm not critical of the church, because Christ loves the church. And I tell you, Christ doesn't like it when people are critical of his bride. You know, Christ doesn't even like it when the bride is critical of herself. Did you realize that? This is a, a kind of a side note. But you know what? When Karen says, oh, I, I'm not, I look this way or I look that way or I don't like the way I look, you know what? It makes me upset. And, and not always in a happy way. Because it's like I don't like Karen to criticize herself. Because I love her. 
I love her. And if I feel that way about my wife, how do you think Jesus feels about his church? Right? So, so many of these conflicts, we come through and people have come and said, Rod, I'm sorry. Or I was blinded. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't see. But I decided that I could see that the Lord was in you and walking with you. And then Jesus does that to us as a church. We don't need to exalt ourselves because Jesus will exalt us. Jesus will raise up City Temple. And we go in that confidence. Next prophetic word. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, it's everybody's favorite word, right? Uh, I will keep you. And you know, patient endurance, that always is unpleasant. You do understand that. I mean, it's just like uh, uh, 2016, Karen and I went on a cruise. And never once in that cruise did I say, oh, I'm going to have to patiently endure that buffet. That buffet is a burden on me. You know, I just got to patiently endure it. Or never, you know, oh, I got to patiently endure this beautiful day at the beach. It's, you know, patient endurance is something always is unpleasant, I'm sorry to say. But he says, because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. City Temple has obeyed God even though we have endured many severe trials. And the promise here, the word is that Jesus will continue to guard us and protect us against the affliction coming upon the earth. And the, uh, there's an affliction coming upon the earth now and into the future. We've been through it the last couple of years, but it's going to increase. It's not going to decrease. It won't be the pandemic. It's going to come in some other ways. And Jesus has protected us and will keep protecting us. And even though we'll all go through it, we will not be adversely affected. I think about the pandemic, the two years we've just gone through. We absolutely depended for our survival on the fact that we had a, the City Temple Conference Center. That's the way City Temple has paid for ministry since the early 1960s, even though we didn't always call it that. And yet, here we are, in an instant, we lost that complete business, but Jesus had provided for us financially and has kept us from closing, even though we've gone two years now without that income stream. And in fact, miraculously, since September, our monthly bank balances have stayed almost exactly the same. How is that possible? except through Jesus Christ. And even the building. And he's working on the building. How else can we get somebody to spend 10 million pounds in our building at really no cost to us? We serve an amazing God. He protects us. We are entering a time of great turmoil and difficulty. We're seeing inflation. We're going to see more instability. You can see it in the government. You can see it in the weather. You can see it in the rumors of war. It's going to increase. Let me tell you, it's not the second coming yet, but it's going to start preparing the way for the second coming. Now, during this time, God has purposed that City Temple will serve as a resource 
and a refuge, a citadel in the city of London. And we're going to see that, and Jesus is providing for it. We won't be absent from these times, but we will not be profoundly touched. And let me tell you, this is not generally true of all churches. We are going to see a lot of churches closed. We're already seeing a lot of churches closed. We're seeing a lot of pastors run away from their sheep. We're seeing a lot of problems all across the body of Christ, all across the world. And Jesus has said, hey, it's like we've paid up in advance through the suffering. We've paid up in advance. And he's protecting us and guarding us and keeping us. Last word. He says, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. And I believe that this word means that he is coming in revival soon. That we're going to see a mighty powerful awakening that is going to start soon. I don't know what soon is. You know, in Second Peter, uh, Peter says, you know, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. I figured that out one time, and I figured that if God says, Rod, I'll be with you in a minute, that's six months. So you know how that works. Uh, God's sense of timing is radically different than ours. But Jesus is coming soon. His coming is imminent. But we have to hold fast what we have. We have to hold fast what we've gained. We have to hold fast what the Lord has done in us so no one seizes our crown. His coming is imminent. He will visit us with revival. He'll visit us with the fulfillment of many prophecies over City Temple. He's going to visit us with the fulfillment of our calling and purpose as a church and your calling and purpose as an individual if you are connected with City Temple. If your heart is not knit fully to City Temple, you'll still benefit, but not in the same way. You need to seize possession of your faith. Seize possession of your life in Jesus. Seize possession and hold on to your obedience. Don't let go. We have to be strong in who we are as City Temple. You know, so many times I've wanted to do something else. So many times I said, you know, City Temple would be better if it was more like Hillsong. City would be, Temple would be better if it was more like Vineyard. City Temple would be better maybe if it was more like St. Helens. City Temple would be better if it was more like this or that. But at the end of the day, I heard the Lord say, no, City Temple would not be better as Hillsong. It would not be better as Vineyard. God has a plan and a purpose for us that is unique in the kingdom of God. And I'm not ashamed of saying that because there's no pride or arrogance in saying that because it's all about Jesus. Do not let yourself be disqualified. And this is what Jesus is saying. Only you can lose your victory wreath. Don't let it go. Don't lay it down. And you want to see an example of somebody who has just laid down their victory wreath? He's a little Serbian guy that happens to play tennis. The man was destined to win his 21st Grand Slam. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I don't want to, you know, NJ, kind of his initials. He could have won it, but he laid it down. He just did some stupid stuff, quite frankly. And it's quite clear. 
Now, years ago, I, uh, in, when I was leading our youth, uh, uh, youth Connect on Sunday mornings, I taught the youth something. I said, you know, the next few years of your life, your teenage years into your early 20s, they're going to be tough. But I tell you what, you will get through it as long as you don't do something. Do you remember that day? Life? Yes. He remembers. As long as you don't do something life-alteringly stupid. And there are a lot of people who do life-alteringly stupid things. And some you come back from, and some you don't. And Jesus here is saying, hey, don't do anything life-alteringly stupid. Hold on to your crown. Hold on to your wreath. You have the victory already. Just hold on to it. That's what he's saying. You've already won, so don't lose. And the only way you can lose if you've already won is if you disqualify yourself. Jesus is coming soon, and we need to be ready. So those are the five words. How do we respond? Because we need to respond to these words. You can't hear a prophetic word and not respond to it. Uh, and, uh, and so I'd like to suggest four things quickly. I think it's four things. Yep. Keep on. They're all keep on. Keep on working for the Lord. Jesus said, I know your works. Well, if Jesus knows our works, and he is evidently happy with our works, because you notice in Philadelphia there's no criticism. Jesus not once criticizes the church. And Jesus is not once criticizing City Temple in this moment. He has in the past, but he's not doing it right now. He's not doing it right now. So he knows our works. If he's happy with our works, what do you do? You keep doing what he's happy with you doing. Keep doing the works. Do what God's been telling you to do. Do what God has gifted you to do. Keep on working for the Lord. Keep on loving. Keep on loving. Now, Philadelphia is also known as the city of brotherly love because that's literally what it means, a city of brotherly love. And our church has become known as a church of love. A few years ago, we had a visitor from uh, an organization called the Ship of Fools. And this is an organization that often pokes fun at church, but they send out mystery worshipers in church to churches to kind of criticize, you know, things in the church and all that. And so we, we found out later that somebody had come, so we were waited with a eager anticipation and a little bit of trepidation of what they would say. And I won't go through the whole review for it. It's still up on their website. But the guy says, oh, but the thing, it asks, would you join that church? And the guy said, yeah, if it wasn't so far away from me, I would join that church. What's the thing you remember the most? It's the people. Oh, the wonderful people. I mean, they pick it up. And time after time, we've had people come in and say, wow, I was welcome. I, I was loved. And so we need to keep on loving. We need to keep on loving. We need to keep on loving the stranger. And yes, we know some people are stranger than others. 
Well, we've got to keep loving them. Keep on loving the strangers, those who come in that we don't know. We need to keep on loving the unlovely. Do you know there's some people who, try as they might, are really, really difficult, you know, to connect with. It might be called unlovely, but we've got to keep loving them. We keep on loving the disagreeable. That's the hardest thing for me sometimes. Uh, because over the years, we've had many disagreeable people. None, nobody in this room. Uh, I don't think. But I, no, nobody in this room. Uh, but we keep on loving them. We keep on loving them. And hopefully one day they won't be quite so disagreeable. You know, I said when I first came here, I said, Lord, we'll take anybody that you bring to us. We don't care. We don't care what their background is, their socioeconomic status, their cultural status, uh, nothing. We'll take anybody. Now, I did, I did have to modify that after about 10 years or so uh, and say, okay, Lord, I, I still i am committed to this. We'll take anybody. But could you send us a few more normal people, please? <laughs> because there was a season where it just seemed like, okay, how are we going to survive this one? But... Uh, but we, we do it. We love. Keep on loving. Keep on loving. That's how we respond to this word. We need to keep on keeping on. We need to keep on enduring. We can't quit. We can't back down. I love the song that I wrote that we sang here at the beginning. I will stand. I won't back down. I won't let Satan turn me into his clown. I don't care if I'm a fool for Christ. I'm not living for humanity. I'm living for Jesus. We keep on enduring, keep on keeping on, and we keep on holding on because we have victory already as long as you don't lay it down. You've won already as long as you don't quit. Isn't that amazing to know? You've won the race and nobody can take it from you unless you let it go. And then the enemy will take it or somebody else will take it. So keep on holding on. Keep on working for the Lord. Keep on loving. Keep on keeping on. Keep on holding on. And we also need to receive, you need to receive God's prophetic promises for the one who conquers. Because it's interesting. He's talking to the church throughout all of Philadelphia, all these letters, but he says here, he says, you know, but to the one who conquers. Now he's not talking to everybody, he's talking to you. To the one who conquers, there are two prophetic promises. The first is, God will make us a pillar. God will make us a pillar. By the way, the one who conquers, it's the one who overcomes. The one who keep on keeps on doing the work, the one who keeps on loving, the one who keeps on keeping on, the one who keeps on holding on, that's the definition of an overcomer. Doesn't mean that you get a final victory over that long struggle that you've had. It means you just keep struggling. But you will have a final victory one day. God will make us a pillar. Pillars are something that are permanent. We don't lose the fact that we're a pillar. We don't lose our position in Christ. And pillars, as we all know, are people of importance for a community. 
That means every single one of you, as you overcome, are a person of central importance for City Temple. You can't look and say, well, Rod's the most important person in City Temple. And if you thought that, God definitely demonstrated that wasn't the case a year ago because God took Rod out of City Temple. Right? We're all pillars. We're all pillars. We're pillars in the temple of God. And it's really handy that we have the name City Temple. Now, the temple here means the people of God. It's also referring to the presence of God. And it's also referring to God's heavenly temple, the spiritual temple that fills the whole universe. And we'll be a, pi a pillar, a pillar in the people of God, a pillar of God's presence, a pillar of God's glorious temple that fills the universe. Second prophetic promise for you. God will inscribe upon us. Now, I'm never a big fan of tattoos. I don't blame anybody who has one. But the idea of a needle and ink going into my body doesn't appeal to me one bit. But thankfully, when God, when Jesus inscribes the name, it's not with a pen and ink. It's not a tattoo. It's something deeper. Something deeper. God will inscribe upon us three names. God will inscribe upon us God's name. That means you belong to Jesus. Not to Satan, not to the world, not to anybody else. You belong to Jesus. It's God's divine ownership, and it's symbolic as well of our dedication to God. God will also inscribe upon us the name of the new Jerusalem. That is, our citizenship in God's eternal kingdom and the promised new Jerusalem that will come down out of heaven. It's like having a passport inscribed on your heart that no matter where you go in God's kingdom, you get through because you bear the name. You bear the name. And then a third, it's a new name that Jesus will give you. It means there will be a change of your status, such as Cephas in the New Testament was given the name Peter. Saul was given the name Paul. Jesus has a new name for you that he will give you. It's a change of status, a change of your function, and a change of your intimacy, a deeper intimacy with the Lord. These are your personal prophetic promises if you overcome. If you overcome. What a powerful word that the Lord has for us as a church and for anybody who knits themselves with City Temple. And this is true if you're watching. This is true for anyone who knits their hearts with us. You might not even be a member of City Temple, but you could knit your heart with us and experience the blessings of that knitting together. God's doing this. Last year, on the 14th of September, the Lord spoke this to me. He said, I haven't changed my mind about City Temple. For a season, City Temple has not been the church that the world has wanted but it will become the church the world and London needs. 
Do not look at other churches. Do not compare yourself to them. You are my unique creation. People have recognized this over the centuries. Sorry about that. People have recognized this over the centuries. You have always been out of step with other churches, which is part of your calling. You only fall when you seek to emulate other choices. Rejoice in who you are. Rejoice in your difference without arrogance or greed. I believe these are the words the Lord is speaking to us as a church. And these are the words that the Lord has been speaking to you in your heart if God's called you to be part of this congregation. Receive them in faith and keep on. Keep on working. Keep on loving. Keep on enduring. Keep on holding on until the word of Jesus is fulfilled in you and in us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd seal it to our hearts and our minds. Lord, we are not arrogant about this. We know it's not because of anything we are or anything we've done. It's not because we're the best or the biggest or the brightest or the most beautiful. It's simply because, Jesus, you are good. You are marvelous. You are wonderful. You are the Holy One. You are the true one. You are the one who has the keys of David, the sovereign one. And you have opened the future before us. Let us walk into that future with faith and with confidence. To your glory and praise. Amen. Amen.